King David was old and he needed help staying warm at night. This was a very interesting time and some things would take place. Now, this is interesting to hear how God interrupts King David's thoughts and says, make my will straight. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rodham. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, a very interesting time today. And Corey and Ryan are here to tell us what they're doing. Corey? I am taking a look at 1 Kings chapter 3, when King Solomon goes to the high place at Gibeon. Ryan? My segment today documents the closing hours of King David's life and the transfer of the crown to his son Solomon. All right, that's really interesting. Uh, Janice, what'd you do? It's our Fun Friday wrap-up question. And that means that I can ask a question anywhere from our weekly reading, which is from 2 Samuel chapter 4, all the way through to 1 Kings chapter 3. I hope you're ready. First Kings 1, verses 11 through 27. So Nathan spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, has become king, and David our Lord does not know it? Come, please, let me now give you advice, that you may save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. Go immediately to King David and say to him, Did you not, my lord, O king, swear to your maidservant, saying, Assuredly your son Solomon shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne? Why then has Adonijah become king? Then, while you are still talking there with the king, I also will come in after you and confirm your words. So Bathsheba went into the chamber to the king. Now the king was very old, and Abishag the Shunammite was serving the king. And Bathsheba bowed and did homage to the king. Then the king said, What is your wish? Then she said to him, My lord, you swore by the Lord your God to your maidservant, saying, Assuredly, Solomon, your son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. So now look, Adonijah has become king. And now, my lord the king, you do not know about it. He has sacrificed oxen and fatted cattle and sheep in abundance, and has invited all the sons of the king, Abiathar the priest, and Joab the commander of the army. But Solomon, your servant, he has not invited. And as for you, my lord, O king, the eyes of all Israel are on you, that you should tell them who will sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. Otherwise, it will happen, when my lord the king rests with his fathers, that I and my son Solomon will be counted as offenders. And just then, while she was still talking with the king, Nathan the prophet also came in. So they told the king, saying, Here is Nathan the prophet. And when he came in before the king, he bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. And Nathan said, My lord, O king, have you said Adonijah shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne? For he has gone down today 
and has sacrificed oxen and fatted cattle and sheep in abundance and has invited all the king's sons and the commanders of the army and Abiathar the priest and look, they are eating and drinking before him and they say, long live King Adonijah. But he has not invited me, me your servant, nor Zadok the priest, nor Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, nor your servant Solomon. Has this thing been done by my lord the king, and you have not told your servant who should sit on the throne of my lord the king after him? 1 Kings chapter 1, verses 11 through 27. reading today from 1 Kings 1, 2, and 3. This is a, another section of our Bible reading through for the 32nd time. You know, King David was old. He needed help simply to keep warm at night. Now, in his days, his last days, David's family rebelled. And a gentleman by the name of Adoniah, David's son with Haggith, he declared himself king. He orchestrated parties and celebrations in preparation. Now, when Nathan, the prophet of God, who served David and God, learned about what Adonijah was plotting, he was deeply disturbed because God's will had not been considered nor accomplished. It was Solomon, David and Bathsheba's son, who had been rightly chosen to reign. Somehow, this important information did not get to the children of David the king. Perhaps they were occupied with living as king's kids so well that they had no idea of what God's will really was. But Nathan steps in with a plan, as recorded in 1 Kings chapter 1. And God sets the record straight when the prophet organizes the revelation of God's will at the end of David's life. The revelation of God's will. A lot of people wonder what that means. Well, we're going to talk about that today, so get your Bible guide and turn to today's passage. This is interesting. Now, if you don't have a Bible guide, you know I'm going to ask you, why not? You can call us or write us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on the Bible guide. Let me say thank you for your donations. They help us tremendously. And uh, may God bless you and keep you strong as you continue to donate to His work. Okay, now. Word on the king. Father, help us. Help us. Help us to understand what's going on and not to read into it, but to hear from you. Lord, today as we see what, what we do when we take over your will, because we have our own desires, help us to see the devastation that causes. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. Now watch this. First Kings 1 through 11, start, starting with verse 11. So Nathan spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, has become king? And David, our Lord, does not know it. Come, please, let me now give you advice that you may save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. Go immediately to King David and say to him, Did you not, my lord, O king, Swear to your maidservant, saying, Assuredly, your son Solomon shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. Why then has Adonijah become king? 
Then while you are still talking there with the king, I also will come in after you and confirm your words. Fascinating. See, Nathan sets up a way to reiterate God's will to David. People who remind us of what God said and did are good for us as Christ followers. Yeah. You ever have those people who I tell, well, the Bible says, well, the Bible says, don't you get tired of it after a while? Why don't you go sit in the corner and talk about it yourself? You know, that's what you want to say. But they're actually good for us. <laughs> they actually check it and see if the Bible's right because they might be right. Very interesting. All right. First Kings chapter 1, verse 15. So Bathsheba went into the chamber to the king. Now the king was very old, and Abishag the Shulamite was serving the king, keeping him warm. And Bathsheba bowed and did homage to the king. And then the king said, what is your wish? And then she said to him, my lord, you swore by the Lord your God to your maidservant, saying, assuredly Solomon your son shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. So now look, Adonijah has become king, and now, my lord, the king, you do not know about it. He has sacrificed oxen and fatted cattle and sheep in abundance and has invited all the sons of the king. Abathur the priest, Joab the commander of the army. But Solomon, your servant, he has not invited? And as for you, my lord, O king, the eyes of all of Israel now are on you that you should tell them who will sit on the throne of my Lord, the king, after him. Otherwise, it will happen when my Lord, the king, rests with his fathers, that I and my son Solomon will be counted as offenders. Wow, that's intense. David needed to tell the people who the king would be. Of course he did. Now listen carefully. This is very important because we, we, we're serving in a medium here, television, an internet that worships youth, okay? Listen to me. Seniors in faith are important to listen to because they tell us the truth. You may not like the truth. You may not feel good about the truth, but it's not about how you feel. It's about what is the truth. Help us to know the truth. Beloved, we need to know the truth. You know, how we feel doesn't change the truth. The truth is the truth. The objective truth tells us what God thinks and how he thinks. So what do you think happened? Let's read on and find out. In 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 22, it says, And just then, while she was still talking about the, with the king, Nathan the prophet also came in. So they told the king, saying, Here is Nathan the prophet. And when he came in before the king, he bowed down before the king, with his face to the ground, and Nathan said, My lord, O king, have you said Adonijah shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne? For he has gone down today, and has sacrificed oxen and fatted cattle, and sheep in abundance, and has invited all the king's sons, and the commanders of the army, and Abathiah the priest, and look, they are eating and drinking before him, and they say, long live Adonijah. But he has not invited me, me your servant, nor Zadok the priest, nor Benaniah the son 
of Jehoiah, nor your servant Solomon. Has this thing been done by my lord, the king? And you have not told your servant who should sit on the throne of my lord, the king after him? This is interesting. Now listen carefully. Nathan was the prophet of God in David's kingdom, and he spoke for the Lord. I want you to remember something. This is very important. Age is not a way to access a member of God's work. Okay? You don't assess somebody by their age. God can use anybody. There is a gentleman named Bob who is in our prayer meeting on a regular basis. You know, Bob is 90 years old. He is an amazing prayer warrior. I want to tell you something. Every day he's there. And I want to say that you cannot assess the value of people based on their age. You've got to look at how God does things, which is very different than the banks in this world, very different than the economy of this world. Because God's value is placed on them to do His will. God's value is placed on you to do the Lord's will. So that's my question today. Are we doing what God wants us to do? We must remember that today in Jesus' wonderful name. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And in today's Bible assignment of 1 Kings 1 to 3, we read about the important transition of the kingship from David to his son Solomon. And chapter 1 opens with David old and advanced in years and not doing very well at all. But actually, his body started to decline even earlier than that. And we see that when he almost loses his life in a battle just a few years earlier. So my segment today documents the last few years of David's life. Check it out. Since the early years of his life, David had proven to be a great military champion with great vigor and energy, even defeating the mighty Philistine giant Goliath. However, many years later in 2 Samuel 21, we see the beginning stages of his physical decline. Now in his mid-60s, he had decided to fight alongside his men in yet another Philistine battle involving even more giants. But this time, the aging David became weary and would certainly have died at the hands of Goliath's relative, Ishbi Banab, if it wasn't for one of his men. After this battle, David's men vowed to him, You shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. The king was definitely on the decline. And then, only a few years later, we find David old and well advanced in years. He was now 70 and his health was really failing him. Bedridden and unable to keep warm, his servants arranged for a beautiful young Shunammite woman named Abishag to take care of him and to lie in his arms, though he does not engage intimately with her, perhaps because he is unable to. As a matter of fact, some scholars suggest that David's servants may have actually been testing his virility. In that day and culture, impotence was a sign of fragility and weakness, and this might very well have been exactly what spurred on his son Adonijah to make an illegitimate attempt at the throne. 
Fortunately, David's longtime friend and prophet Nathan discovered this conspiracy, and when he and Bathsheba brought it to David's attention, the king immediately appointed Solomon as the rightful monarch of Israel, firmly securing the kingdom. After David gives important instructions to Solomon, the Bible records his death at the age of 70. It says, Then David slept with his fathers and was buried in Jerusalem, the city of David. And the time that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. As the 19th century reverend James Freeman pointed out, this was a departure from the ordinary custom, as the dead were usually buried outside the cities. It was therefore a mark of high honor to the remains of the departed king that he was buried within the city of Jerusalem. Truly, David's death was a massive loss for Israel, as most of his successors proved to be rebellious and godless men who ultimately drove the nation into slavery and exile. Even to this day, the Jews are awaiting a godly king like David who will be their good shepherd and rule not only Israel but the whole world with righteousness and justice. Thankfully, in the Jewish scriptures, all the way from Genesis to Revelation, God promises such a ruler and even reveals his very identity, none other than the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Christ Jesus, God himself. Now, although there were a few godly kings who would rule on David's throne, for the most part his successors had no interest in the things of God and ended up driving the nation into exile and slavery. But there is good news. Many of the Jews have returned to Israel since they became an official nation again in 1948, and they are still waiting for a king like David. And the Bible promises that a king is indeed coming. He will bring all his people back to their land and be their good shepherd and lead Israel and the entire world in righteousness and justice. That king is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Just as all the prophecies concerning the Messiah's first coming were literally fulfilled, so too will all the prophecies concerning his second coming be literally fulfilled. Time is running out, so make sure that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. He's coming. We don't know when, but we know this for sure. He is coming. I think this is the reason, this is the reason really for the program. We want to encourage Christians to read the Bible, to understand what it says. Um, and the other thing is to challenge people to come to Christ, to know Jesus Christ, who he is. And that's very, very important. So if you're a Christian, let's understand what the Bible says. If you're not, thank you for joining us. You should consider Jesus Christ as your Lord and pray and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I believe that you have paid the cost of sin and 2000 years ago you died, we killed you. And miraculously on the third day, you rose to life in the flesh, seen by over 500 people. And Lord, we pray that you would help us and come into our life and be the Lord of our life. That's, that's how you pray. And that's what we want to really express to you so you can ascertain the coming of eternal life. Very important. Corey? All right. Well, today we're taking a look at 1 Kings chapter 3, and there's this really interesting statement in there that King Solomon, uh, when he is seeking after God, he goes to the most important high place in Israel, which is said to be at Gibeon, not the altar that his father David had built on the high place just outside of Jerusalem, but Gibeon. Why? Let's take a look. Thank <laughs> you. 
The city of Gibeon appears on the pages of the Bible during the conquest of Canaan. In Joshua 9, the city saw the proverbial writing on the wall. Large fortified cities had fallen to the Israelites and Gibeon knew they would too. The other cities of Canaan made alliances and fought Israel, but Gibeon took a different tact. They pretended to be from a distant land and struck a peace treaty with Joshua. The Israelites honored this word of peace even after the deception was discovered. Joshua 10 is the scene of this treaty's test. A coalition of Canaanite kings surrounded Gibeon to claim it for themselves, and this became the scene of Joshua's famous long day when he commanded the sun to stand still. Disagreements abound as to whether this was a miracle of the sun actually standing still or whether it should be viewed as a miracle cosmic sign that would have struck terror into the hearts of Israel's enemies. Regardless, Gibeon is at the center of some very interesting biblical history. And the Bible notes that its Canaanite occupants lived peaceably among Israel and became woodcutters and water carriers for the tabernacle of God. Gibeon reappears in the Bible with another reference to water during King David's reign. A civil war had broken out between David and the house of Saul. Their militaries met at the Pool of Gibeon, which must have been quite formidable in order to be a place of meeting and worthy of biblical mention. This pool even receives a much later mention in the Bible during the days of the prophet Jeremiah. David's army commander Joab again led his military to Gibeon, this time meeting at the great rock of Gibeon, where Joab killed another threat to the throne and to his job. The Bible reveals that the tabernacle was kept in Gibeon for some time during the life of David. Perhaps it was moved here after the destruction of Shiloh by the Philistines. It's told that although David brought the Ark to Jerusalem, the tent tabernacle and its bronze altar remained set up at the high place of Gibeon. That's why Solomon brought the assembly of Israel to Gibeon and sacrificed there. As a result, God spoke to him in a dream and Solomon received wisdom and the capacity to lead. In modern times, Gibeon has been identified thanks to excavations that unearthed jar handles stamped with the Hebrew name Gibeon. Also revealed was a massive rock-cut water installation dating to the time of the judges of Israel and in use until the Babylonian destruction of the 6th century BC. It's to this pool that the Bible must be referring to. While more excavations may reveal a sanctuary site or the site of the Great Rock, such things have not yet been found, leading some scholars to guess that the sanctuary was actually on a high place just two kilometers south of the city proper, still allowing the Gibeonites to be woodcutters and water carriers for the sanctuary. Now, this brings us to some irony when it comes to King Solomon, because we see, you know, there's a comment made here in 1 Kings 3 that, you know, Solomon, you know, he, he was like his father David and that he was after God's heart, but he also sacrificed on the high places. And this is kind of a, a, a notch against him. Uh, so it's really interesting that one of Solomon's missions, one of his desires was to unify the people of Israel in worship to God. And he did this by creating a centralized uh, t temple for God in Jerusalem. He was the one who wanted to centralize the worship of Israel to minimize idol worship. So then it's intensely ironic that he becomes the very king who begins creating temples for other gods in Israel and becomes 
becomes one of the largest idol-worshiping kings that we know of in Israelite history. So we see this really intense and ironic switch in the lifetime of King Solomon. That is interesting. And uh, it's fascinating to hear what happens in Solomon's life. And we're going to get to that. It's really something. (laughs) We're going to get there. Uh, You know, uh, what do you do on the weekend, by the way? All right. So my husband and I post a chapter by chapter recap of all of the assigned reading for each week. We post that video on my YouTube channel. It's just under my name, Corey Babechko. We post it every Saturday morning and uh, we like to interact in the comments and comment section on YouTube with you guys as well. So if you're interested in getting caught back up on your reading, then join us on YouTube. All right. Very good. And it's very good. I would encourage you to uh, check it out. It's good. All right, Janice has yes. a question. No confetti balloon today. I do have to report Amy and Ben, <laughs> it worked perfectly. In fact, we were, I, I hear you taking a breath. We were picking it out of we your were. hair yep. for a long time. It was in there. It, it was, was in good. There. It was in coffee cups and Rod had to do a live <laughs> prayer stream after and we just like had to s- sort of scoop it all out of the way. It was awesome. And it will be coming again. I have five more. Oh, great. I have five more. You'll never know when great. it's going to come. All right. So for today, here is our question. It could come anywhere from 2 Samuel 4 through 1 Kings chapter 3. All right. Here's the question. Hope you're ready. I think you'll get it. It is a little bit tricky, especially if it's, you know, your first time through the Bible. But that's okay. We're all learning together. Here we go. Who blew a trumpet and declared, we have no share in David? Was that Abishai, Sheba, or Bichri? Which one of those three men said, we have no share in David? And he went on and on, actually. That was all helping. that he said. Good, 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 good. That's good. I know the answer, You did all of your years. We do, too. I, yeah, Thank you. We, we know the answer, right. too. We know it didn't go well for this guy. It That's did not. True. It, it seemed true. like it was going to go what okay. What is his name? <laughs> but then it didn't go well. Did, his, so Abishai, Sheba, or Bichri? Yeah, his name was Sheba. Very good. If you decided that that was the right answer at home, you are absolutely right. And here's where it, what it says in 2 Samuel 20, verse 1. And there happened to be there a rebel whose name was Sheba, the son of Bichri, a Benjamite. And he blew a trumpet and said, we have no share in David. Big mistake. Big mistake. Big mistake. But good job if you got the answer right. Again, I want to remind you at the end of the program, thank you for joining us today. It was great to have you, but we're on live 3.30 to 4.30, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And we want to encourage you to come by for one hour so that we can pray for you. If you have needs, if you need to be prayed for, then come by at Facebook, Bible Discovery TV, or YouTube, and look up Bible Discovery TV on Facebook and YouTube. Today we pray, Lord, I pray you would help me to value people, however old they are, In Jesus' name, 